What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Let's kick this thing off. Mason Joppa is the co-founder and CEO of Blockware Solutions, a blockchain infrastructure company and network advisory firm. In this conversation, we discuss the latest Blockware research report on Bitcoin, including why $40,000 is just the beginning, and how the network metrics suggest Bitcoin is stronger than ever. I really enjoyed this conversation with Mason, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Exodus, E-X-O-D-U-S dot I-O, Exodus dot I-O. Exodus is one of the most popular cryptocurrency wallets and has been around since 2015. It's supported on both desktop and mobile, allowing you to sync your wallet across multiple devices so you can have access to your funds anywhere. You can instantly exchange around 100 different cryptocurrencies. Interactive charts let you view the price history of a specific asset or your portfolio's performance over time. And maybe the best part, Exodus is integrated with Treasure Hardware Wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Visit Exodus.io for your free download or search Exodus on the App Store or Play Store. Again, Exodus, one of the most popular cryptocurrency wallets, and it's been around since 2015. So go check them out, exodus.io, Exodus where you should be using for your crypto wallet, Exodus. Next up is Diginex. They are the first company with a cryptocurrency exchange to be listed in the United States. Their ticker on the NASDAQ is EQOS. EQOS is the NASDAQ ticker. And they are the first company that is in crypto that you can buy stock in. They also have a crypto exchange called Equos, E-Q-U-O-S, which has been built to institutional standards, but it is available to everyone. You can trade Bitcoin and Ethereum spot as well as Bitcoin perpetuals and get a 5% discount on all fees by signing up using equos.com slash pomp. Again, equos.com slash pomp. Diginex, the first company with a crypto exchange to be listed in the United States. The ticker on NASDAQ is EQOS, and they have that Equos crypto exchange built to institutional standards. Go check it out at equos.com slash pomp. Lastly is Money on Chain. They bring Bitcoin to mass adoption with solutions to meet the needs of different types of users. They have a fully Bitcoin collateralized stablecoin, DOC. They've got a Bitcoin on steroids. Yep, Bitcoin on steroids, BPRO, and a dizzying Bitcoiner option for lovers of leverage trading, BTCX. All this without requiring the delivery of your private keys. Money on Chain, bringing Bitcoin into the mainstream. You can go visit them at moneyonchain.com slash pomp. Who said DeFi is not for Bitcoiners? You can discover that BPRO, that Bitcoin on steroids, is a token created by Money on Chain that allows you to earn a rent on Bitcoin positions and gain free leverage. So yes, with a Bitcoin on steroids like BPRO, DeFi is definitely for Bitcoiners. Go check out more at moneyonchain.com slash pomp. Again, moneyonchain.com slash pomp. All right, let's get into this episode. I hope you guys enjoy this one with Mason. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys. Bang, bang. I've got Mason here. Thank you so much for doing this, sir. Thanks for having me on, Pomp. Really excited to uh, run through and jam on 
a million things that we have to talk about, all Bitcoin related, all hype fest. Uh, really excited to be on with you today. All right, let's get after it. Let's just go through your background real quick. Uh, where'd you grow up and what did you do before you got to Bitcoin? Yeah, and, and, and a lot of that will actually lead, you know, how I got into it. So I grew up uh, actually in St. Louis, Missouri. My family came from a wood manufacturing background. So my, my grandfather founded a wood manufacturing called JMC Wood in the 1970s. Uh, my father runs that company today. It's in Bridgeton, Missouri. Um, and that actually led me to Bitcoin mining. Um, so in 2016, we had we had warehouses and machinery. We had some excess power and just space, you know, and, and what you see with, within the mining space is, you know, lean and mean operations. So I was just thinking, like, what can I do with this energy and space? And that led me to the, the Bitcoin mining rabbit hole. Um, in 2016, the S9 was just released. So I just started filling and building racks in my dad's like warehouse. And these work, workers and, and employees were looking at me like I was an alien. And we just started hashing. And then from there, um, I saw, you know, a lot of opportunity, right? Fragmentation in the market. Um, you know, U.S. miners struggling to to order machines. The value of like the S9s I bought in early 2017, like tenfolding, um, and 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 it really just led to the formation of Blockware Solutions, um, which I co-founded with uh, my late and great business partner Matthew D'Souza, who you had on your podcast last year. You know, rest in peace. God bless. Uh, what an amazing person. And then Sam Shorzynski, uh, who's our current CFO, um, and and we're still. Uh, vertically integrating and doing a lot of really nice things today. Um, I went to the Kelly School of Business and at IU, uh, had a BS in finance and a master's degree in information systems. Prior to just going full-time blockchain, I'd worked in management consulting and I was a lead solution engineer at a uh, risk management software company. Awesome. So when you start mining Bitcoin, how do you get from that to Blockware? So, um, Great points. So what so what Blockware is is it's a vertically integrated uh, Bitcoin mining um, and, and you know general blockchain oriented company. Um, so just to give a background on Blockware and what it is, um, first and foremost, we're a wholesaler and large distributor of, of ASICs. Um, and you know just just a fun throughout. You know what does ASIC stand for? I get this all the time. Application specific integration integrated circuits. So think of an ASIC like a high powered server that you know runs twenty four seven. And just its goal is to generate and mine Bitcoin and validate the network um, and, and validate the communication that happens between nodes. So Blockware has actually sold over 200,000 Bitcoin mining machines or ASICs since inception in 2017. Um, so that's one of our uh, key offerings. With that, you know, as, as, a, as a client, you may ask, you know, where do I put these machines, right? Um, so we host the machines. Um, Blockware has placed over 45 megawatts of, of hosting equipment across different uh, co-location facilities. And, and over time, with our vertical integration, we actually co-partnered and started um, and desired to operate our own facilities. Um, so we're a part of a facility in Kentucky that currently has about 20 megawatts running. And um, as I go into Blockware Mining as an entity as well, my second entity, uh, we actually just got a financing and sale and lease back to build our second site in Kentucky, which will which will start out at 25 megawatts and scale to 100. Um, and, and if you're following Kentucky news, there is actually a really interesting bill that was just passed that is incentivizing Bitcoin miners to come to Kentucky, and and which is you know amazing and great great news. Um, so we're really excited that we were already in Kentucky. This bill comes out, and our second our second load's coming, and then and it was just like the perfect time, perfect place for that. Um, and then just to finish the blocker blurb, we write industry reading, uh, leading research. So I'm going to cover some of our research today. I think we, we're writing a really nice piece and it, it'll be researched and available on our website. The title is uh, 
Bitcoin market outlook um, in 2021, 40,000 is only the beginning. And, and pot between me and you, we've got an amazing talk track to run through there. Um, and then also we all we, we operate a Bitcoin mining pool. A lot of my messaging is and key messaging um, that that you'll hear me say, and I'm sure you resonate with as well, is hey guys, we need to get Bitcoin in the hands of Americans, and we need to get Bitcoin hash rate in the hands of Americans. Um, it, it's a it's a global race right now. Let's not lose this race. Let's get the messaging out. Get Bitcoins in our hands. Um, we we need to make moves now. Uh, the time is now. Um, Absolutely. So let's get into the research report because I think that that's such like a, a bold statement. Uh, maybe yeah. not for somebody talking to me, but uh, for most people to hear, forty thousand is only just the beginning. Um, and you've basically broken this report out into uh, eight different sections. And I figure maybe we could kind of go through each section and you can give us a little overview of uh, of exactly what you guys talk in there and, and help people uh, go and, and download it. But the first section is all about mining rigs and kind of record demand. Elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and real quickly before we do that, I did want to touch on my second entity, um, my other business partner, Michael Stoltzner. Um, he's has 30 years of derivative trading. It's block mining. It's actually our investment vehicle. Um, so I do I did want to uh, you know highlight that we are a self miner ourselves. So we'll have within block mining, we'll have 300 pen of hash um, of hash um, that will be online by mid February. Um, we have over 200 hosted clients. Um, that's our investment vehicle, and that's how we raise capital. It's our sister company to Blockware Solutions, um, and that's that's the entity that truly is you know going to have ownership of these hosting facilities and co-partnerships. Um, but I agree with you. Let's jump right into uh, the meat and potatoes of the research report. Um, so, so starting with the first section, um, talking about a record demand for rigs. Um, so, what 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 you're seeing in the space right now actually um, is institutional participation as it becomes to, as, as it relates to mining rigs. Um, so if you look at an institution, um, and, and it's amazing what we're seeing right now, we view this, this Bitcoin uptrend as being fully institutionally driven. Um, so with that, as it relates to mining rigs, you're seeing institutions that are investing hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars on mining rigs and infrastructure. Um, so not only do you have to buy the Bitcoin mining rig, you have to spend, you know, billions or hundreds of millions on the infrastructure to host the mining, um, uh, the mining rigs. Um, so because the institutions have entered, um, it's caused nine plus plus month delays um, for, you know, a retail miner or for somebody that reaches out to these manufacturers to buy the machines. You see companies like Mara, like Riot, like Bitfarms, like Foundry. Um, these companies are buying up tens and of thousands of machines at, at a time and buying future batches. Um, so, the, so right now you're seeing lead times of nine plus month because of the institutional participation, um, and and that's fascinating. Um, so it's not only institutions, you know, driving and buying Bitcoin. It's institutions sucking up all the Bitcoin mining rigs, which creates re, uh, you know lead times that are off the charts than what we have never seen before. They want a uh, Bitcoin. They're going to either buy it or they're going to get their uh, their mining rigs. Uh, exactly. The second, the, the second section is all about uh, Google searches. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, totally. Um, so, so what what we've seen that is really interested. If you remember in the bull market of of twenty seventeen, um, Google searches were at an all time high. Um, if, and, and there's, you know, this, we, we, we source Google trends. Um, so there was, you know, hundreds and thousands and millions of views um, as it related to, you know, just searching for Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining. Right now, what we found was fascinating was that we're at 50% of the levels that we were at in 2017. Um, so that just signals to us that retail has yet to enter. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's an indicator that, um, you know, the retail frenzy has not begun. And you, if you, if you think about the cycle of Bitcoin and what happens in, you know, 
different commodities and equities, retail is the last to enter, right? Um, they jump in after all the smart money came in or the, the institutional investors came in. So, you know, that's an indicator that um, we have not seen re retail participate as it relates um, to this cycle. Um, and we expect the Google trends to uptick towards the end of the bull market cycle. And that, that could indicate that um, the bull cycle is over, right? Absolutely. The next section is all about uh, Bitcoin exchange activity. Elaborate on that one. Yeah. So, so what we've what we've done here is we've looked at um, and, and really honed in on three major exchanges: uh, Bitfinex, Coinbase, and CME. And if you track over time, you know, from 2018 to 2020, um, Bitfinex, for example, you know, completely dominated across the board. Um, we've we've seen them, you know, lose market share. Um, Coinbase, you know, has you know stably you know held market share and you know has, you know, from Q1 2018 to Q4 2020, you know, very similar volumes. But the most fascinating thing of this is you'll see the CME volume. So CME from Q1 all the way up till uh, Q1 2018 to Q1 2019, um, you know, was, was just about even with the others. In Q2 2019, you saw CME explode. Um, and that what, and, and the reason why that's so important is because CME um, is is by is um, driven by institutions. Um, in order to trade us a Bitcoin futures contract on the CME, you have to uh, put up five bitcoins, which is you know one hundred seventy-five seven thousand dollars in today's uh, day and age. Um, and if you look at Q4 2020, CME leads the pack as far as um, the the quantity of uh, Bitcoin traded uh, versus the other two. Got it. And then this whole idea of uh, the institutions come in and they only buy Bitcoin; they don't buy altcoins. Explain this one. Yeah, this, this this is a great one, um, and and so if you look in 2017, um, what we saw was you know a, a retail driven market. Um, so so at that time, Bitcoin was actually at its lowest mar lowest market dominance, and it, and it was around um, that time that you you, re you really saw like that crazy ICO craze, right? And that that caused Bitcoin's market dominance to fall you know to 35 percent um, compared to where it's at today. Um, and then, you know, over time, as institutions take over and participate, we see, you know, the Bitcoin dominance research. Um, and, and right, you know, right now, um, institutions really don't have a gateway into um, altcoins like they do with Bitcoin, right? Um, institutions can buy Bitcoin through proven retail and exchanges and CME. Um, they can they can buy, they can trust the custody custody providers like Coinbase, um, like Gemini. Um, BlackFi is building some really inter interesting things in that market. You just don't see that same type of custody and availability. Um, I will note that Ethereum uh, futures contracts will start trading on the CME in, in early February. Um, so that could change the script. And it's not like we're necessarily saying that institutions never will buy into altcoins, but they're certainly Bitcoin focused, and and you know that is fact. And and one a little a little bit further, what we'll cover is you know some of the, the highlights and news that took place. Um, with with these public companies that have entered the market, absolutely. And central bank monetary policy seems to be everyone's favorite topic right now. Yeah, uh, cover that one. That's a good one, and, and we're kind of jumping across the board here. Um, so what what I love about Bitcoin, and and you know what many people love about Bitcoin is is um, the monetary policy of Bitcoin is driven by code. Right now central banks and, and or central entities um, control the monetary policy, which which is, you know, highly discouraging. Um, so if you look um, just from a uh, from a perspective of of U.S. dollar supply um, in 2020, we saw circulation increase by over 24 percent in the course of one year. 
And now let's backdate. Um, 75% of all USD um, that that ex um, that is is present today did not exist. Um, so that is an oh my god factor that I'm sitting here thinking hyperinflation, hyperinflation. Um, 2020 proved once again, you know, that central bank monetary po policy is a dominate is a dominating force behind equity markets. And and really, what's happening is um, the government's you know pumping stimulus and pumping treasury bonds and buying uh, you know buying uh, you know through treasury bonds um, into corporations and and every asset that seems to be not USD fiat it has mooned. Um, I was I was laughing to myself the other day. You know. All of us collected baseball cards in like the 90s. Like baseball card values have like vastly appreciated in 2020. Um, everything is going up. Um, when you when you factor that in as well, you know, um, this kind of also created the perfect storm for Bitcoin. So you saw that March bottom of, of you know 3,800. Um, people started to perk up and say, you know, what's my best counter against inflation? And that and the answer is becoming Bitcoin, and that's and that's why and and why we believe a lot of the participation is taking place. It kind of created the perfect storm, um, you know, infinite QE, negative instant rates, um, you know, all of this are, are creating a lot of um, skepticism against you know on the U.S. dollar in the future. Um, and and this is just you know not just backed up by data, but you know you see the legendary money makers, billion dollar corporations, even insurance companies. Uh, we you know like Mass Mutual just recently entered. They're also you know proving that this is true. They believe um, that Bitcoin you know is a true hedge against inflation, and and the digital gold narrative exists. Absolutely. And, and what's so interesting to me about this one, I think, is uh, most of the other things that you've talked about are, are reactive, right? In terms of like, hey, we can look at this and, and measure uh, progress based on what people are doing. This one is really uh, kind of uh, proactive, right? In the sense that this is driving action. This is forcing people to go and, and move assets. Is that kind of how you look at it as well? Oh, I, I, I completely resonate with you. It, it, it's a total reactive um, and, and just to highlight, you know, some of the few things that are the reactive is um, Citibank putting out a report saying called 21st century gold. They speculated Bitcoin would be at 318K by the end of 2021. Morgan Stanley uh, owns and acquires 10.9% uh, of MicroStrategy. I put out an interesting tweet today that, a, a event, you know, essentially proves out that they actually own like indirectly by owning MicroStrategy, like over 7,000 Bitcoin, which is fascinating is that, you know. Guggenheim releasing that they believe Bitcoin's going to hit 400,000. JP Morgan Chase, you know, who in the past was definitely anti-Bitcoin, you know, put put out their speculation that, you know, Bitcoin will hit 146,000. Recent news, Goldman Sachs is thinking about offering custody service. You have Stanley Drunkenmiller, Paul T Tudor Jones entering. Um, you have Mass Mutual, Square Cash App, um, PayPal. I'm really excited to see what PayPal, you know, reports with their next quarter earnings, which are on, you know, February 3rd. Um, It'll, it'll be interesting to see the volumes and their talk tracker on that. And then, you know, one of the ultimate evangelists that, you know, we can't miss here is, is Michael Saylor. Um, you know, he's, he's been, he's been the, the guy on Twitter and he's, he's truly, you know, been an evangelist for Bitcoin. Absolutely. Uh, Bitcoin market today in 2021 versus the historical cycle in 2017. There's a whole section uh, in the paper on this. What, what, uh, what stuck out to you here? Yeah, so if we're looking at um, historical cycles and as, as it relates to um, where we're at today, um, you can see you can see that we're in the early stages. So if you look at you know prior um, Bitcoin runs, um, 
the average uh, volatility or, or you know or downtrend during these bull cycles is about thirty point five three percent. We saw we saw that twenty seven percent drop you know happen you know a couple of weeks ago, um, which is really you know nominal compared to some of the prior um, runs that took place. Um, what and and what's really important to put out is and, and aligned to is is the halving cycles, right? Um, if you look at all the prior halvings, so there's there's been three halvings. Um, since um, Bitcoin was incepted, right? In 2012, in 2016, in 2020, di Bitcoin dictated by code has a halving every four years, right? Um, that's where the Bitcoin rewards are cut in half. Therefore, um, you know, the reward next year will go from 6.25 and be cut in half in 2024. If you look at Bitcoin's performance in the, halvings, in the halving year, um, the average return in the year of the halving is 206%. If you look at the average return year after the halving, it's 3,400%. So with that being said, um, and, and you know, don't quote me on this, but we're looking at analytics and doing some comparisons, Bitcoin at the end of 2021, if we're looking at a 3,400% you know, 3, gain, that would put it at $700,000 by the end of 2021. Do you think that's where it's going? My honest take is, you know, I'm, I'm definitely conservative. I would not be surprised if Bitcoin crosses 100K. Um, this is simply looking at where that, the, the prior halving cycles are at. And, and just like you, you know, I, it's so hard to forecast. Um, but you can look at data to try to help you. What was it from January 2017 to December 2017? It was like 20X, from like 1,000 to 20,000? Yes. Yeah, exactly. That, that it, it was insane. I remember it was like that it was from Thanksgiving until December 31st, where we literally went from like a thousand to 18,000. I mean, if that happened, uh, what do we start the year at 40,000? So it would be like, you know, you start 700,000 call that, I mean, it, it's, it's exactly that 34, a hundred percent return. And, it, and it's fascinating. And each, I mean, it, it's crazy. Um, and, and that's the year after the halving year, which is this year. Um, and, and I love it. And, and if you look at the 2020 halving year, Bitcoin hit 304%. If you look at, um, you know, the return rate of that year. <laughs> <laughs> Can I quote you as saying you think it's going to 700,000 this year? No, you cannot. But you, but, but when my research report is, is, is out and we have all of our data and facts inside of there, um, for all those that want to, you know, find this research report, go to blockresolutions.com, uh, research and publications, it's in there. Um, and if it goes to 700K, uh, you know, I'll expect you to send me a nice little bottle of champagne on December 31st. We can drink it, we can drink it together. <laughs> I'll make you a deal. If Bitcoin goes to $700,000 this year, which I do not expect it to do at all, yeah. but if that happens, not only one will I come back and pull this up uh, and I will tweet it out and say that you were right, but two is in New York, I'll get dinner with you once we're allowed to, and uh, and we'll go laugh about it. That is that is a a wild thing, but data is data, right? And, and if uh, if that's what the average returns are, then uh, your your math makes sense. It's just a question of does uh, prior uh, or previous you know history actually predict the future well? Exactly, and and you know. You know, that's something, you know, if you, you know, I took AP US history, what, what, what is something you learned? You know, history repeats itself. So it's, it's always good to study the past to try to understand and predict the future. Um, I'll take you up on that. We'll see if it happens. I, you know, obviously everyone will be a happy man if it happens. It's me, you, and, and the whole Bitcoin band camp. <laughs>
<laughs> Absolutely amazing. All right. So when you kind of look at this, uh, institutions, when they come in, what are they doing? Are they buying Bitcoin or are they buying mining equipment? Is it like 80, 20, one or the other? What are you guys seeing right now? So um, what I'm seeing right now is some, some fascinating inflows. Um, I, I believe that um, you're, you have public participants like, you know, Square, like, um, you know, some of these hedge funds that are taking percentages of, you know, um, purchases and microstrategy that are buying, um, you know, Bitcoin, um, you know, usually OTC and, you know, the hundreds of millions of amount. Um, I wouldn't be surprised in Q1 of 2021 if we've had inflows of, you know, between 100 million to billion dollar tranches that are private and, and public institutions that have made purchases. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of releases of information that show that um, this company purchased this amount and it's and, and it'll show up on their asset books. They may have not reported it now. Um, th then, then you take a look at these you know, public mining companies and what they're doing. Um, so really, I'd say it's skewed right now towards uh, most of the money is, is flowing into purchases of Bitcoin. Um, but but what you're seeing with these public companies is they're in you know and you know Foundry being you know a part of Digital Currency Group, which which you know everyone knows of Grayscale, they're capturing a ton of the of the accumulation that's taking place, and we have a whole nice chart and a research report that shows that. Um, so that also documents you know that this is institutionally driven. But if you look at you know what some of the public companies are doing and you know how they performed in the market, you know they're they're putting all their eggs into the Bitcoin mining basket, right? Um, they're investing the, the hundreds of billions, hundreds of millions and, and billions of dollars into mining rigs and infrastructure um, with with the expectation um, that these machines they buy will last three to five years. They're buying an asset that, you know, they're not going to you know spot trade or doesn't have liquidity. Right. There certainly is a secondary market, but these companies aren't buying these machines to just, you know, capture an appreciation, flip them and sell them. They're buying to mine them, you know, hold the Bitcoin, and, and they're and they're buying them because they're hyper bullish on Bitcoin, you know, going forward. Um, so seeing seeing really, you know, the emergence of these public companies like Mara, like uh, Riot, um, who I'm a part of on the advisory board, like Bitfarms, um, and a few other names, you know, putting their eggs in this basket is fascinating. And I will not be surprised if there's a lot more public companies that are, you know, that will start doing the same. Um, there, there's certainly others like HiveOS. Um, um, HUD-8, which actually Fidelity owns 11% of. Um, so it, it's fascinating to see that. When you think about corporations uh, and them coming into the market, we talked a lot about institutions, kind of the financial service companies. Uh, when the institutions come, or uh, when the corporations come in, are they putting Bitcoin on the balance sheet? Yeah, they're putting they're putting it on as treasury, right? Um, you know, it's exactly what MicroStrategy does. It, it's it's shown on the balance on the balance sheet. Um, man, I love looking at MicroStrategy's uh, balance sheet with with what they've done and the timing they made their Bitcoin investment. And and if you look at how much their stock's been appreciated, um, it's it's really interesting. But yes, Bitcoin's going in Treasury. It's on the balance sheet. They're they're capturing you know their quarterly uh, revenue. Um, you know, there's there's certainly tax implications as to you know when they sell or how long they hold. So you know, strategically, it makes sense for them to at least hold that for a year. These companies, I don't believe they're not buying to just buy Bitcoin and sell at the tops. I think they're buying with a long-term vision that extends, you know, five, 10, you know, 20, maybe hundred year cycles. Yeah. And it's a counter inflation. Yeah. 
it is uh, it is absolutely wild to watch corporations considering this. But uh, I got to imagine a lot of boardrooms around the uh, around the country, publicly traded and privately traded companies, are all considering. You know, should we go put one percent of our assets or five percent of our assets uh, into Bitcoin? And then you've got people like Michael Saylor, who's you know was he 85, 90%, maybe 95% of his balance sheets in Bitcoin and uh, seems to be working out pretty well for him. Oh yeah. And I mean, he also uh, purchased personally like 177,000 Bitcoin himself as a side trade. Um, I think, I think what really will trigger like a massive run is when we start tapping into pension funds. And I've, I've seen you write about this as well. Like imagine capturing like between one and 5% of pension funds. I mean, this this is you're talking one to five percent of trillions of dollars. I mean, that would be the boom. Um, a stat that you can look at too is, um, you know, and and this is what everyone talks about, and everyone, you know, Peter Schiff's like a hilarious person to follow. And and on the side, you know, he's like he brings awareness to Bitcoin more more so than his his down talk does, and he has a whole cult following of people that troll every one of his posts. But if if Bitcoin doubles gold's market cap, Bitcoin value per coin will be a million dollars. Um, so as we slowly take on and, and, and consume Bitcoin's um, mar- uh, um, gold market cap with Bitcoin as a digital gold narrative, um, you're just going to see that price appreciation. And, you know, it's already taking place. You know, there's websites that are just tracking by the minute, you know, Bitcoin's at this level. And, you know, and there's those tweets go out, which I love to see. Foregone conclusion, in my opinion. I absolutely yeah. think that's uh, that's what's going to happen here. But uh, hey, what do I know? I'm just a guy on the internet who uh, who happens to have a lot of conviction and uh, basically risked his entire net worth on all of it and is right so far. But uh, nobody's, nobody's keeping track of any of that. <laughs> uh, what's the thing that you're looking for from a milestone basis in 2021 that would surprise people? Like, What's the thing that you're paying attention to that maybe other people aren't? Man, what a great question. Um, I'm really paying attention to um, a number of things. I'm 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 trying to f- I'm really paying attention, to, and a lot of what our paper focused on is when retail is going to enter. And there's certain indicators that can that will show that. Um, if you look at the amount of active addresses in the 2017 bull run, um, they appreciated by 60 percent. Right now, we're we're at a 18 percent active ad- address appreciation. Um, so I, I'm looking for active ad, um, addresses to hit that level. And that'll be like, for me, hey, here's an indicator that retails in. And with that, you know, I, you know, it could be an indicator that Bitcoin booms. Um, I'm also looking at, you know, the, the number of, of, of whale um, wallets, as I call them. Um, these are addresses that have over five Bitcoin. Um, if you look historically, um, the number of whale wallets um, are at its top near the during accumulation phases right when we're when we're when we're on the up and run of a bull cycle when you see the number of whale wallets decrease that means that those participants are selling off to retail and that leads to the active addresses increasing right those you know one leads to the other um so that's something that i'm looking at and and that can help you you know find the market top uh, you know the best traders in the world and i you know we were i've had some amazing mentors like michael stoltzner who heads up block remining um you know he's he's run he's been in he has 30 years in der- derivatives and run, runs a company called futrex um in the 90s he was the largest euro usd clearing house um you know out of the chicago board of trade and was a chicago board of trade pit boss so he's taught me a lot of grit and and mentality and and also you know, jim Merpool, who's uh um a, you know a hedge fund manager and trader um but but what they'll always tell you um, and they'll say is you're you're never gonna hit the bottom perfectly. You're never gonna hit the top perfectly. But follow indicators 
um, along the way and, you know, catch, catch, a, catch the wave, um, follow the trends, you know, don't go against the trends, look for indicators. And these are the type of indicators and things that I look at. I also look at, um, you know, something, you know, I'm a Bitcoin mining company as well, which we've, you know, we haven't talked too much about, but my research paper is, is not as Bitcoin mining focused as you may think from a company like Blocker Mining and Blockware Solutions, right? Um, but one thing that I'm actually looking at as well is hash rate. Um, so something that we're, that we're seeing um, that other people may not be looking at is, you know, hash rate is typically a laggard during um, bull markets. Right now, and, and, and we have charts in, in the report that show this, but hash rate is, is lagging behind Bitcoin price. Um, so during all these historical cycles, the hash rate, um, Bitcoin price outpaces difficulty. And for those that understand, don't understand what difficulty is, difficulty is correlated to the total amount of hash on the market. And that's you know, how difficult it is to mine a Bitcoin. Um, so you know, during bull cycles, I, I anticipate you know, miners to do very well because price typically outpaces difficulty. Um, right now, hash rate's lagging. Um, so that, that shows me that we're in the early stages of this bull market. And, I, and I'm looking, I'm hyper-focused on that. Um, it, you know, there hasn't been too, you know, a major significant jump that you know, would, would make me think that we're, we're, we're there yet. So is it fair to say 40,000 in 2021 is just a start? It's just a start. And that's the title of the paper. And, 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 and I will stand by that. We're just at the beginning. Uh, man, what a frenzy it was. I'm sure your, your mailbox blew up um, from December like 15th to like early January. I mean, I, I, I'm still behind on like emails just like you are of, of catching up from, you know, this, this market frenzy that took place, which is fascinating. And I love it. Um, you know, the net capital inflows coming in institutions and, and, and that causes, you know, a parabolic rise in, in Bitcoin price. It's absolutely incredible. Um, before I let you go, uh, I got three questions and then you get to ask me one question. Uh, the first um, question is, what's the most important book you've ever read? Oh my God, that is a great question. And, and, and this is kind of a corny answer, but the Lord of the Rings trilogy, like reading that, you know, in my early ages, um, I, I think like the, what you can learn from a book like that, from a master writer is, is a lot about morality, um, integrity, um, general philosophy, and, and, and just an amazing storyline that I really just resonated with. Um, and it, you know, it, it's a fascinating, you know, series of books. <laughs> I love it. Uh, second question is, uh, from a sponsor, uh, eight sleep. They basically do uh, thermoregulation for, uh, for mattresses. Uh, it's by far the most comfortable mattress. And also basically, uh, now I'm rested all the time because I sleep on this thing. Uh, <laughs> what is your sleep schedule? Like what, like oh. do you sleep four hours or 10 hours? How are you from as a sleeper? And it's funny enough. I, I follow your Twitter. I am a minimum eight hour sleeper and, and, and seriously to be a high performer and to, and to, to have your hands in so many facets and to be able to get there. I, I'm usually between the eight and 10 hours and that, you know, I try to go to bed early and I try to get up early, um, try to exercise. Um, I, I like, I like that. I like what, what's going on with that company and, and it totally resonates with me. Early to bed, early to rise, leaves a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's what my dad used to say to me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it looks into some of your family's background. It's a, your dad is a fascinating guy. Absolutely. Uh, last question is a little bit more fun. Aliens, are you a believer or non-believer? Uh, total believer. And I was laughing like during the last uh, during the last COVID bill that was released, like the, the like the the uh, request that all like alien information is is released. I forgot the timeline. Um, 
I definitely believe her. The universe is way too large of a place. Um, you know, every you know, like I literally by the month, there's like more information that proves that you know there is life. Um, the problem is when you're looking, you know, deep into the galaxy, you're looking at years past. So it's like if we look into the, and find something, we're looking at like a something that was from year like millions of years past. So it's like, is it there now? Like, what's going on? What about yourself? Uh, definitely believe. I don't know. I don't know if little green men have come to Earth, but uh, but but for sure, something out there. It's just too big. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. So you can ask me one question. What do you got for me? What are your thoughts on Bitcoin mining? Like I, you know, I I I know Pomp, and Pomp is is a Bitcoin evangelist. Um, in general, like what what are your thoughts on Bitcoin mining? And 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 you know, where do you, and you know, my second and, and trans, transitional thought, you know, since you're um, calling me out for my forecast, you know, where where do you potentially see big Bitcoin hitting? Uh, I st- just stick with the same price prediction that I've had. Yeah. Uh, I think since like 2019 was 100K in 2021. Uh, you know, that seems pretty reasonable to me. At the time, it wasn't so reasonable. People thought I was a little crazy. They're like, how the hell could that ever happen? Well, you know, we're on track. We'll see what happens. Uh, but the price stuff is like less exciting to me. Uh, yeah. When it comes to whether it's Bitcoin mining um, or actually using, you know, the protocol or, or things like Lightning Network, uh, I just think that we're going through a paradigm shift, right? And it, it's less about like me trying to convince people anymore. It's just like, hey, if you can't see what's happening, then like you're just not looking. Like you're intentionally trying not to pay attention at this point. Um, and so, yes, there's institutional adoption happening. Corporations are going to do this. Eventually, central banks will. Uh, when it comes to mining, it's like anyone in the world with electricity can start to earn. That's a pretty powerful thing. Um, and, and so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, but same thing is true about now anyone with internet connection has a payment network and anyone can exchange value anywhere in the world with anybody else without any permission. Like that stuff is really, really impactful on a global basis. And I think a lot of people just discount it because they frankly don't understand it. So uh, I got into uh, Bitcoin and crypto with mining, actually. Um, it was with uh, GPUs and uh, an Ether. Uh, I didn't really know what the difference was. All I knew was I just plug a machine in and like there's <laughs> yeah. cash flow and like this is basically a data center on steroids. So this is pretty cool. Um, and uh, and then as you kind of go down the rabbit hole, you're like, wait a minute, this Bitcoin thing is like literally, you know, once in a lifetime uh, type opportunity and disruption. So I just naturally gravitate towards it. Oh, that's all. I didn't know that's what led you into uh, the whole crypto space. Well, mining led me into crypto. And yeah, same thing for me. I like in my friend's basement, we had a bunch of GPU mining rigs plugged in. We were mining Ethereum like, in 2016. And, and it's cool to hear that you were part of that hunt. And yeah, I think Bitcoin mining, you know, you know, is, is, is fundamental to the, the success of the network, right? Like you'd have to turn off the entire world's power to shut down Bitcoin. And that would shut off all the nodes. I mean, that's that's a fascinating output of that. Absolutely. Uh, where can we send people to read more of the report uh, and to find more about both uh, both companies you have, Blockware Solutions uh, and mining? Yeah, so uh, BlockwareSolutions.com um, has all information about us. Go to the research and publication section, front and center, top left, you'll see um, our new report that we just released, um, 2021 Bitcoin Market Outlook. $40,000 is only the beginning. You can see our historical research there as well. Um, Blockware Mining, um, reach out to us, you know, from the website, if you want, want more information there, um, that's an investment vehicle. We take on institutional and accredited investors. Um, it did really well. It launched in December, 2019. Um, you know, we caught the early cycle. We're rapidly expanding, um, and, you know, really excited about what blocker mining's potential, you know, with our goal of taking that public, um, you know, we're already competitive at pen hash levels in public mining companies. So it's, I'm really excited about blocker mining and, 
And uh, shout out once again to Mike Stolzner and all his work there. Absolutely. All right, my friend, thank you so much for doing this. We're going to have to do it again when you guys write your next report. All right. Thanks, Bob. Take care and uh, take care, everyone. Look forward to hearing from many of you after this is released.